and welcome to the Aim Sisters podcast once again. You're here today with your hosts, Anna and Maria Setting, and we're going to talk about something that everybody needs and everybody wants, like the beat of sad. All you need is love, love, love is all you need. That's right. We're going to talk about love because February just arrived and we have Valentine's Day right around the corner. And this episode, we're going to focus on love. We're going to talk about self-love, types of attachment, what the love languages and loving patterns that come from childhood and much, much more. So stick around with us. So I guess we can start from the beginning, right? Yes. And the beginning is always childhood. <laughs> so Always childhood. Yes, to understand our behavior in love, most of the times we have to look back to our childhood um, because our types of attachment, which is something really important on relationships, is something that we develop based on our childhood experiences. So, for example, what does a baby recognize as love? What do you think? Care. Being Care. fed and having someone that will come around whenever he or she cries. Yes, having nurturance and having care. It's all a baby wants and it's all a baby understands as love. So imagine when a child is crying and there is no one to take care of it. No one to feed the baby or to hold the baby and have this skin-to-skin contact and no sense of safety for the baby, um, it's understandable that this little person is going to understand that there's no one in the world that cares about them, that loves them, and they can become really anxious, you know, cry a lot and be very irritable, or the opposite, you know, they can... Um, just stop crying and responding to, you know, to the mother's, yeah, the caregiver's trials to help the baby because sometimes they tried so hard and so many times that they just stopped because if your action is not um, understood and rewarded with a feedback, you just stop doing that, right? Because it makes no sense if you do it and nothing happens. So this behavior can have a reflection on our adulthood, uh, on our relationships, because if we understood that love was being anxious all the time, that's what you're going to understand that love is nowadays. If you understood that love is just not having someone there, and having someone who is really caring about you is new for you. It's going to be strange and feel strange because there is no... Like having someone, but the person is absent, like emotionally absent. That can, that can happen as well. So um, I think... Do, <laughs> Go ahead. Do, you want to, do you want to talk about the styles of attachment? Yeah, we can dive into that. So, I don't know if you guys heard about attachment theory, but this was created by the psychologist John Balby in the 60s, and he used to study like attachment styles of children. 
and it was basically showing that childhood development depends heavily on child's ability to form this connection to their caregivers, at least one. And like my sister was saying, depending on how the parents are, uh, this goes on into later life. However, it was only in the 80s that the attachment theory was applied to explain or dating relationships and like effective relationships in adulthood. And this was done by two professors of the University of Denver called Cindy Hazan and Philip Shaver. And they published in a very small newspaper in a local newspaper in Colorado called the Rocky Mountain News in July of 1985. This kind of a test where people could understand what type of attachment style they had. So they broke down in three main types and they called A, B, and C. So you would read like the type in this situation, what the, the person A would do in the relationship, what the B would do, what the C would do. And at the end, he, they explain like what were those types. So there, there was the secure type, there was the anxious type, and the avoidant type. And guess what? Most people are not the secure type. Most people are anxious or avoidant in relationships. So from that point on, many more researches were done about attachment styles and how they impact our, our lives as adults. And nowadays, the most common, I think, is the four types of attachment. And that would be the secure, the anxious, preoccupied, the dismissive, avoidant, and the fearful, avoidant. Do you want to explain a little more what are those four types? Yeah, sure. So the secure type is like the ideal because it's someone that grew up with constant love and constant care. So they are very, they have very high emotional intelligence. They know how to let, if you're in a relationship with them, they know how to let you be free to go do your things. And they are secure on themselves that you will come back and they can go do their things. And they know that your part, the partner is sure that they will come back as well. So there is no push and pull. And they are very stable and is an ideal type of relationship because there is no fear surrounding it. The anxious preoccupied, on the other hand, they tend to go into the fantasy bond. So they put people on pedestals and they have this needy energy to them. So they're very demanding of their partners and they overanalyze everything. Like, why he didn't text me at this time? Why she didn't call me? Why this? Why that? So they tend to go into turbulent relationships and they mistake that for passion because they're like, if something is going wrong, if there's a tornado in my relationship, it means we love each other. And they always tend to want more and more from their partners. That's why they tend to attract avoidant types of partners. So the dismissive avoidant would be someone who is emotionally distant and they tend to be very self-sufficient and they avoid true intimacy. But actually this comes from a wound in the past where they really relied on someone, usually usually the caretaker, and that person disappeared or that person didn't fulfill their needs. And they are like, okay, I can't trust anyone anymore. So instead of trying to go deep in a relationship and giving open up themselves emotionally, they have this barrier like, I can only reach into this point because I know if something happens, I can retreat. And I'll be safe. So 
that's why also anxious types like that because anxious types they are also wounded in childhood if you think about it because it could be dating a secure type that will be there for them all the time but if they date an avoidant type it's like they don't get the the attachment they need by proxy because the other person won't give them anyways and the last one is the fearful avoidant and this is the trickiest one in my opinion because is a type of person who really craves connection, but is too afraid to have connections. So they're like, they are, when people are far away, they go and want to get close. And when they're too close, they push them away. And they're kind of unpredictable and they can get overwhelmed by their own emotions pretty easily. So when things start to get deep, they're like, someone rescue me. I don't know if I want this for real. I was just playing. And they want and resist intimacy so it's this complicated thing but it's also it also comes from difficult childhood experiences usually after knowing all that and all the types of attachments i think it's really important for us to talk about how we should know our types of attachment so it can save our skin <laughs> when we are in a relationship um most of the times before a relationship, we think we are secure or we think we are okay with ourselves, but then we get triggered when we are in a relationship about something that we didn't even know before. So that's why it's important to know yourself so you know um, where those things are coming from and you're able yeah. to discuss that with your partner if you need because communication is key. Mm -hmm. So if you know this is a trigger for you, or if you need more space, or if you need more reassurance, you're able to speak clearly because we cannot read minds. Yeah, we can't. And we have to let our egos on the side a little bit to be able to go into this emotional space without triggering, triggering each other. Um, but like you said, we never know because when we're single, we're like, I'm single, ready to mingle, I'm secure, I'm this and this and that. I figured out all the love stuff, but when you're in a relationship, you're like, oh crap, actually, <laughs> you want to run away Nothing. sometimes, and sometimes you want to stay closer, <laughs> and it's complicated. So, do you know your attachment style? What do you think it's yours? I'm not really sure, because um, people can change their attachment style uh, depending mm -hmm. on the relationship and the fate in their lives. So I think for me, I've experienced situations where I felt more anxious and other times, other times when I felt avoidant. So I'm not really sure, to be really honest. But I know I'm not completely secure. <laughs> Something I have to work on. What about mm -hmm. you? Yeah, secure would be the ideal. But most of the times, I think, you know, I'm the avoidant type, usually. Um... Honestly, I didn't even figure out where this came from, what was the experience that triggered this behavior in me. But yeah, most of the time is the avoidant, and I'm aware of that at least, so I can work on my own fears when I'm in a relationship. And one thing that we mentioned before when we were talking to each other is that um, usually we fantasize about Things that are not real, for example, movies, and things that they they portray on the media, 
um, about the ideal couple and the ideal romance and all that. But most of the times, they are very toxic or unhealthy, to say the Codependent. Codependent and very unstable and triggering for both of the involved people. And it's really not a healthy relationship that is usually portrayed on media. Um, we were even saying, if you look at movies, usually we see many things that we don't want in our lives because that's what makes movies so interesting. You know, the climax of the movie and all that, like burning cars and people dying or accidents or, you know, tragic stories. We don't want any of those things in our lives, right? But why would we want the relationship that is portrayed on the movies? It's the same thing. It's a burning car. Don't take it. Most people do, and that's the scariest part. We don't need to be Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> no, no, we don't. Even and we don't like, want to be. We don't want to die by accident. I think especially when we are teenagers, we are very um, prone to adhere to those storylines, I feel. Yes, because... Yeah. It's like a fantasy world when we have no boyfriends or girlfriends. We are all, you know, trying to imagine what it would be like or trying to fantasize about a life that we don't have. And then they show us those tragic stories or relationships that are not healthy. And we idealize those as like, oh, it's my goal in life to be in this crappy situation. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a yeah. vampire as a boyfriend. No, you girl, you don't want a boyfriend as a as a boyfriend. It's like you said, like you don't want a crashing car in your living room, you know, a burning car or whatever. And but sometimes I, I think people. When they're in secure relationships, when they're not used to that, they're just like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> you know, it's something more exciting in life. And then they find the bad boy or the bad girl and they're like, yes, that's what I want. Yeah. I like, and that's all because of your attachment styles, it's because of your wounds that you didn't heal. Because you would find something amazing and, you know, um, so fulfilling in a relationship that you feel safe and secure. And I really trust the person you're with. But for most people, they feel it's boring because they know what's going to happen all the time and they are sure the person is going to reciprocate their feelings. Hmm? They'll be there for them. And also, they don't need to prove their love all the time. So that's the point. We don't need a, a challenge in our relationships to be entertained. We don't need entertainment in that way. Um, if you think about like how everything comes back to childhood when people say oh daddy issues or mommy issues it's pretty much that if you think about it that's why some people they actually end up dating people that resembles a lot their parents because they learn love from who <laughs> yes because and that's the sad part about it because when we are in a situation like that we don't know better because what we learn to be love is what we're going to recognize as love. So if we didn't find love to be safe and secure and fulfilling, we're not going to find it. When we, when we find this type of love, we're not going to feel as love. So mm -hmm. it's about being really aware and conscious about your love life and about your triggers. 
So you can, when you face that situation, you can reprogram your, your mind and unlearn the bad behaviors, the things that are not healthy for you, and learn the healthy relationship. Because if you repeat and repeat and reprogram your brain to accept what is healthy for you, someday you're going to get there and you're going to be in a blissful relationship. That's right. Retraining the brain every day. <laughs> for so many things. <laughs> oh boy, yes. So another topic that I think most people heard of and is pretty cool is love language. And I think most people already took the test and heard of it, but if you haven't, um, there are five main love languages. You want to explain or...? The, the main types of love languages that people usually talk about are the acts of service, quality time, receiving gifts, words of affirmation, and physical touch. People recognize those things in a different way. So some people, they would prefer to spend quality time with a person that they really care about. Others think it's not enough to just spend some time together and they prefer to receive material gifts. Or even like having reassurance by having physical touch, like a hug or a kiss or holding hands. Or others like acts of service, which is really helping the person in practical things and being there all the time to support you, even when you're doing a difficult task. Um, Especially when you're doing a difficult task. <laughs> yes. And I think words of affirmation is something that is really big as well. Some people, mm -hmm. they need to have this reassurance that their partner really cares about them and say, I love you, or I admire you, or I respect you. So do you want to talk about your... Um, your That's love language? Oh, love language. Um, so I took the test yesterday <laughs> again, just to we record were prepared this for this yeah, episode. Yeah. And um, I wouldn't say I was surprised, but it definitely changed a lot because my ideal love language when I was young was very different from nowadays. And for me, the one that appeared the most was acts of service. Um, and then words of affirmation, quality time, and gifts, they were all the same. And the least for me was physical touch. <laughs> so what I understand by that is now that I grew up and, okay, I'm not old, but I realize that there is things in life that is not that easy to do by myself. And if I have a partner, I really would appreciate if they took the time to do things for me that will help me in my practical life. Because one thing is like saying you love someone, saying they are your ideal type, blah, blah, blah. But if they don't do anything about it, that's not love, you know? Like you can write me as much as you want to, but if you're not doing anything to show this affection in a practical way, it's like, okay, so love is a fantasy and I don't want to live in a fantasy forever. <laughs> totally agree. I think for me as well, the person got to be reliable. You know, they're going to yeah. help me out. If I'm helping them, they got to help me. <laughs> um, so the same goes for me. I think when I took the test uh, a couple years ago, I think it was really different. I don't remember exactly the percentages, but it was different. And nowadays, the first one for me is also 
um, acts of service, which is really important, I think, you know, being there for the other person and going out your way to help someone you really care about. And in my case, the one that I got the least was um, receiving gifts, was the weakest love language for me. Because maybe for me, I think doing things for me or other types of, of affection is more important than receiving gifts. Um, but one thing that I would like to mention is that you said for you the least one was physical touch, right? And I think it's really important to say that maybe that's because we are living in Asia. Yeah. Perhaps if we were living in a different country, we wouldn't have physical touch as a love language that is so, um, you know, Devoured. not so important. Because here, people really don't like to show affection in public. So, as we said before, we are very self-aware, I would say, and we pay attention to our surroundings and we learn by copying the locals, so to say. So, we also don't feel comfortable with a lot of touch and hugs and all that. Um, maybe in another country, we would. So, how do you But feel? I think what is important to say is that in the test, they only talk about physical touch, like... In public, like public display of affection. That's the type of physical touch the test is talking about. So, like my sister said, it's very... It depends on culture and where you're living. Because, well, I've never been a touchy person anyways. Like, I don't really like public dis display of affection. But I think it increased my dislike for that here. Um, but I understand for couples, sometimes it is important... Especially, I have friends who are in long-distance relationships and, yeah, for them, for sure, physical touch would be an important thing because it's the missing point, right? And But thinking about that as well, I thought, um, maybe the core of a relationship will show itself when you're not with the person physically. Because if you think about it, when you meet the person you like, you go on a date... You do whatever you like, and it's a great time, you laugh, and you have the person by your side. But when you're apart, that's the moment the relationship gets tested. And it doesn't need to be long, long distance or anything. It's just like, will the person text you, or say something meaningful, or care about your day, care about your thoughts? Because when you're not close, the relationship is an idea, right? It's not manifest, it's not like embodied sort of speak so how the couples deal with distancing is also something really really important i feel yes and everything gets tested when people are away hmm. um the way they trust each other the way they communicate with each other what they share and what they don't share all those things and talking about the love languages why do you think it's so important for people to be aware of their own love language and to recognize their partner's love language. Why do you think this is helpful? I think it is extremely helpful because sometimes there are misunderstandings just because you don't know how the person likes to receive love. And because my love language is in a certain way, I tend to express my love in that way as well because that's how I would like to receive but maybe my partner doesn't recognize love like that. 
Maybe my partner needs physical touch. Maybe my partner needs quality time or whatever it is. So I think figuring out like the needs or how each other receive love or recognize love is crucial. Yes, and I think what you mentioned is really important because if you don't want your partner to take the test, <laughs> you can just observe them and recognize yeah. what they do for you. Usually it's their own love language. And sometimes you're getting frustrated because you're like, I don't want to receive gifts. I just want them to, to say to me that they care about me, you know? So maybe just observing, you're able to recognize what the other person needs. And, and also, if you know about love languages, it's something that you can openly talk about with your partner. And then you can uh, openly know what ways you can really get this, um, intimacy between you two in terms of love languages and also respect each other because if you know your partner don't like one thing that you recognize as love you should give it a break or like don't do it so often so especially balance. physical touch right in yeah because yeah anything like consent is really really important even if if it's for like really small things because it's your personal space. <laughs> That's really something. I mean, it's true. Because um, I think depending on the culture, depending on where you are, depending on your personality, your sense of space is really different from mine. <laughs> or oh, yeah. uh, personal space, I mean, not space. Personal space, yeah. <laughs> um, but also, like, just because we're talking about culture and stuff, just mentioning that the things we've been talking about so far, especially the attachment styles, they are from a Western perspective because there's a lot of societies who don't raise their children in the same way and the like children can be raised collectively mm -hmm. so they don't have a primary caretaker or whatever. So all those studies, they're very Western-focused. So just like be aware of that when you're listening. So I think we should give, like, now talk a little bit about self-love and things for the singles out there. <laughs> Because sometimes during Valentine's Day and all those public celebrations, we might feel like, oh, where's love? And I wanted to have a partner, I wanted to get gifts or whatever. But we're here to remember you that love is all around. You just need to find it within yourself first. So my sister wrote a, a blog post at our website called Take Yourself on a Date. And I'll recommend reading that. And she can explain to us a little bit more about it. I think self-love is something that is crucial. It's really, really important. Even when we were talking about communication and, all, and recognizing your attachment style or your love language, It all comes down to self-love. If you spend enough time with yourself, even not being in a relationship and not being triggered by something and then getting to know yourself, it's really, I think it's a better situation, you know. You just take your time to understand yourself, to reflect and to recognize your um, strengths and weaknesses. So when we talk about self-love, it can mean so many things because... As we were talking the other day, what is love? Love mm -hmm. is about 
it's not about being recognized. It's not about being cared for. It's not about feeling good because someone else is sad so or because you're beautiful or anything. Love is unconditional. Yeah. Anything that is conditional, it's not love. Right? I and love we confuse you because... this. Mm. Yes. Yeah, because we mistake that all the time. I was just reflecting like how many people say I love you in a very open way, so to say. Maybe they, they think it's easier just to express themselves as I love you. I love you, but they actually mean I love you because you reassured me. I love you because you are beautiful. I love you because you take care of me. I love you because I feel secure. I love you because I have no one else. Because it makes me feel heard or understood or seen. It's pretty much an affirmation of your own self. Yeah, You're just trying to find that in other people. But what I really think that love is, is none of that. That's not love. That's like appreciation or other things. But that's not love. Emotion. Love is unconditional. There is no, nothing that can make you not love someone if you really love that person. So yeah. when we talk about self-love, it's about unconditionally loving yourself. It doesn't matter if you're in a good day or in a bad day. It doesn't matter if you're healthy or sick. It doesn't matter where you are in the world, if you're alone, if you're with lots of people. Loving yourself, having self-love is unconditionally loving yourself. Exactly. And it's not like loving yourself because your job because of your titles because of the way you look or whatever I think it's really difficult to explain love and self-love but for me it's mainly like recognizing the beautiful and blessed human being that you are you know and feeling yourself worthy of every breath you take in this earth mm -hmm. and just You know, having this reassurance to yourself that you deserve living, like you said in those latest poems you wrote. Yeah. You deserve to be alive. You deserve to be thriving and living your best life as your best self. That's to love yourself. So I think it's nice to say that if you're alone during Valentine's Day this year, you can just give yourself the love you would give your partner or your ideal partner, or whatever, because you are there for yourself every single day, since the day you were born. So you better love who you are. You better love your body and your life. You so, remind me of a song. Which song? You always be my day one. Ah. But we are always for yourself. our day one. We are always our day one. <laughs> yeah. We were discussing also how love songs are all messed up as well. Yeah. And they teach so many bad things about love. Anyway, but what I was saying is that you should take yourself on a date. You should go to the place you wanted to go and have the meal you always fancied or go have a walk in a beautiful place and do things that bring you joy. Pamper so yourself. 
pamper yourself. Yeah. I think this is very, very lovely and very, very important. And yes, also... Go ahead. When I wrote about uh, go take yourself on a date, it was really about, you know, sometimes we just wait for the right opportunity to do things. Just wait for people to be able to go out with us to that exposition we wanted to see, to that concert we wanted to go, to that restaurant that you don't want to go by yourself. But you know what? If you love yourself, you're good enough to go by yourself. Go to the restaurant you want to go. Go to the movies by yourself. It's okay. Because all you need is yourself. And that's really appreciating your existence and saying, I don't depend on anyone. And I do deserve this. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to take myself on a date. I've done this a few times. It's pretty good. But it doesn't necessarily... If you are doing all those things, it doesn't need to mean necessarily that the two don't want a relationship. But what we learn, I think, is that when you find that space of self-love, like true love for yourself, you actually start attracting better people to your life. Because all the crap you said about yourself, like, I'm not good enough, I attract this type of person, this, this and that, is very low vibe. But when you feel good in your skin and you have the confidence and you have like the charisma and you're just in this great state you know you become magnetic to people that are also feeling good about themselves so instead of attracting insecure people or needy people or all those things you actually start attracting your like partners that match your energy yes yes for sure especially because you're feeling independent and good about yourself it's like you said it's the opposite of not wanting to be with someone because now you know your worth now you know that you're not going to be with someone that does not meet your standards now mm. you know your value now you know what you want exactly what you want you're not going to take something else just because it's convenient you're not going to play games no because <laughs> You're real. You're real with yourself and you're real with others. You know, and if we think about energy and vibrations and all that, we attract what we are. So yeah. if we are feeling good with ourselves, we are in a good space to invite someone else in the same vibe to be in our lives. Because if you see many people, they are broken or after they just broke up, They are not healed and then they want to find someone to heal their pain, but it's not going to work out because they have to be complete and entire to meet someone else who is also complete and entire to have a good relationship. Half and half will not become one good relationship. Yeah. yeah like you said, it's really, really true. So many people, they just jump from one relationship to the next without learning anything they just are heartbroken and they want to fill that space so obviously the people they will attract into their lives are also people who are feeling like that this emptiness so they need each other just to fulfill an empty space and not actually to be two complete people by themselves that decide 
energetically, consciously, in a beautiful way to combine their lives and experience love, right? But if you are passing through a breakup right now, if you're listening to us, we do have empathy for you. We do yeah. know it's a very difficult thing and it hurts a lot sometimes. But take this time as your opportunity to heal and discover yourself. Because when you are free from someone else and you're trying to really release all this baggage and cut the cords and all that, take the time to truly understand what you want, who you are, what you're here for, and don't take another person who will do you bad, you know? Um, you want to know, like, something funny? Not funny, but um, in Korea, when there's a first snow, it's called chonun. And this can also be understood as first, first sight. So it's like love at first sight. So they believe that if you're out with a person you love and you see the first snow together, you're going to fall in love or you're going to fall deeply, like increase your love for each other. And I remember one or two years ago, I was not in a very good space, like not feeling really good about myself and had gone through something that didn't work out. So I was in this breakup phase and feeling like, oh crap. And then I looked at outside and it was snowing. And then I was like, oh, it's like love at first sight, but I'm by myself. So I will use this as self-love. And from that day on, I really decided that I was going to go in this journey of self-love and learn about myself again. What do I like? Why? What are the things that bring me joy? And finding all those little, little pieces that combine to the person you are. So I hope you see snow as well, the first snow by yourself, and reminds you that you deserve the love as well. Yes, 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 yes. That's beautiful. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about the music that we were we briefly mentioned? Ah, yeah. I think it's a fun, fun, fun topic. Me and my sister, we were... Um, sometimes when we find music that have a really nice lyric, uh, the lyrics are pretty good and they talk about positive stuff, we send to each other because it's so rare to find music, you know, that they don't talk about breakups or or about sad stuff or things that didn't work out when they are really positive and like, oh, let's raise our vibrations. Then we send to each other and we were trying to assemble a playlist. So if you know a music that is really high vibe and the lyrics are awesome, please send, send us. Send us. Thank you. Because, like, honestly... I don't know you guys, but when I like a song, I listen to it over and over and over again until a point that it becomes a mantra, you know, like yes. it's repeating. And sometimes when it's playing, I don't even notice, but I'm like saying the lyrics together with the singer. And if it's saying really bad stuff or really low vibrational things or that's what I'm attracting into my life. So even like the song you're staying home, day one, it's kind of bad as it says. You always be my day once, day zero when I lost no one. I'm nothing by, by myself. myself. You, you and no one else. else. 
I'm like, what? I am okay by myself. Thank you. <laughs> so even though I love the lyrics, I mean, I love the music. The lyrics are a bit complicated. Yes. That's why we need to, you know, find more music that are really resonating with ourselves and saying things that are positive. Because, like you said, it's a mantra. If we keep repeating that, that's our reality kind of thing, you know. We get used to thinking that love is bad or love is not possible or you're going to be depending on someone for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. And that there's no one like you who never find someone so good. No. No. <laughs> Just... There are some crazy, crazy lyrics. Like, some people say, like, I love it when it hurts, you know? Like, all those sounds, like... Yeah, it's love when I'm in pain. And, like, no. I love the way you lie. <laughs> no, yeah. Rihanna, Riri, we love you, but oh my gosh. So please send us good songs, high vibes, good lyrics. Oh, yes. <laughs> so I think that's all we wanted to share today. I hope yes. you enjoyed it. And next week, we're also going to continue talking about the topic of love and Valentine's Day because, you know, it's arriving. And it's not a talk only for the people who have a relationship, but especially for those who are single. Um, so just next week. And if you're listening this on podcast, please leave us a review. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, if you liked it, please leave us a like share and subscribe so you can always uh, know when we post new videos. Thank you so much for your time and for listening to us. And see you on the next episode. Don't forget to check out our website as well. Thank you so much for your precious time. And see you next week. All the love and bye-bye. Goodbye.